0: Hi everyone, it's Rwanda and you are listening to another episode of Multiple Perspectives. Over the Thanksgiving holiday, Colleen and I had a conversation with our good friend Alison Goldstein, who is a member of the running club Distance Project New York. She is also a freelance writer, an editor, and an Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon back in 2020. Allison recently co-authored a book, so we deep dive into her career in the first half of the episode. We also discuss how she went from a D3 swimmer in college to earning a Boston qualifier in her first ever marathon. You'll get to hear what she attributes to her running success and her future plans going forward as she battles her way back from injury. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Allison.
1: Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Rolanda. Allison, welcome to our pod, our little space. Thanks for inviting me. How are you feeling today?
2: I'm pretty good. I'm looking forward to taking off for Thanksgiving. I guess that'll all be over by the time this is out there. But, you know, family can be a little stressful and travel can be stressful. So there'll be, it be a different kind of stress. I'm like tired of the work stress, though. So i like a little break from that.
1: Yeah. Where are you going for Thanksgiving? I'm going to Pittsburgh to visit my
2: my parents. Um, so Ryan will come with me and it'll be a, a short little trip. My mom was thrilled to death when I told her we were coming. So I bet. What about, what about you?
1: I'm going to my dad's not far, um, right outside the city. And yeah, and then we're going to come back on Saturday and probably spend a little bit of time with Johnny's family. So like you, very tired from work and everything going on. So just a short little trip and then come back and kind of recharge here. Rolanda, where are you? I look at your background right now.
0: Well, right now it's a lot of sun. Uh, I am in Joshua Tree, California. It's funny because every year I have this tradition of doing my local turkey trot in my hometown. And this is the first year I'm not doing it, but this is so fun. Today I'm actually checking out of my Airbnb and going to Malibu for the remainder of the week with my fiance's family. So it should be fun starting new traditions with our new life that we're starting to curate together. So really excited about
2: that. (laughs) That sounds beautiful. Would he do a turkey trot with you?
0: So the whole family is signed up for this turkey trot. It's the LA Turkey Trot. (laughs) There's a 5K, 10K. We even got his parents bibs. So everyone-
2: (laughs) Oh my God, my my parents would never-
0: yeah, yeah. We're really excited about it. Everyone decided to be good sports and get on board. So it'll be I a love fun little- <laughs> it.
1: Let us know how it goes. I'm not signed up for one this year, but I might go tomorrow morning and cheer on Johnny. Which Which one is that? Um, I forget. It's like the senator, some local senator, some small local senator, Senator Ted something's uh, 5K, and it's in uh, Yorktown Heights, near where my dad is. So I did it a couple of years ago. Um, I don't really like it because it's downhill one way and then it's straight uphill. Uh, Oh, my God. I hate uphill. I'd rather uh, do a trot beforehand and go and cheer on this year.
0: Allison, we're talking about doing turkey trots last time I saw you, I feel like you
2: were in a boot.
0: What is Uh, your status right now with your injury? Are you back
2: running? So I actually never wore a boot, but I might as well have because (laughs) I had like stuff in my shoe. So right. So in, oh my gosh, it's been the longest saga. So in March of last year, I broke the sesamoid bone in my foot, which I had never even heard of before, but it's like right under the ball of your foot behind your big toe. Um, and so I had like a pad in my shoe and I wasn't doing anything. I was like barely doing any walking um, to try to to let it heal. And so it's just it's turned into this sort of much longer saga than I had hoped. I was thinking, oh, you know, broken bone. Great. Like only, you know, off your feet for, you know, eight weeks or whatever. And then then you can start and things will be fine. It'll be healed. And according to the MRI I eventually got like it is healed, but it hasn't stopped hurting, unfortunately. And so I've kind of been through like some various treatments and kind of endless pt and um yeah so i'm just sort of i'm in a holding pattern right now i i started running a little bit again just because why not like if it's gonna hurt i might as well run a little bit um but when i say a little bit i'm talking like i don't know maybe 15 miles a week like it's really it's a very little bit i remember when i used to say a little bit and i meant like 35 miles a week and i was like no it all scales back so Um, yeah so I'm just I don't know I'll probably try some some new things in the in the new year and get another opinion and see what's going on but uh, here we are these things happen and it's um it's been hard this year because it takes me kind of out of a lot of the things that I like to do and the people I like to see and the routine I like to be in but it's been good to recognize I actually do really like this sport like it's not some sort of I don't know. It's not some. It's not holding over for something else that I actually need more. Like it's not instead of my therapy. It's not instead of. I don't know. There's many. There's many things you could be substituting with running, but I actually like running and I like being with the people that I run with and I like the racing and like those are the things I miss and being away from it really like reinforces that. So,
0: is this your first major injury that you had?
2: Yeah, I've had. You know, I mean, like every runner, I've had plenty of other things, but I think the longest I was ever out for was maybe three and a half, four months. So this has definitely been the longest sort of ongoing thing that I've tried taking off multiple times to see if that would fix it. But, you know, here we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet you appreciate running a lot more now, having had so much time off.
2: Yeah, because, the ending like, is when, real. When it's the taken NBA, away from you. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, I recently, it's funny, we have a teammate who is dealing with um recovering from a stress fracture in her hip. And I just randomly texted her to ask how things were going. Um, and she was talking about sort of the fear of coming back too quickly. And I kind of just said, I think I would have given a different answer, you know, a few years ago when I've dealt with like sort of shorter term injuries. I'd never had a bone break before. And um, I might have said like, don't be afraid. Like once it stops hurting, you know, and they they clear you, you're you're good. The fear is really like holding you back. And I'm like, you know, like, why don't you take your time? Like, what's the rush? <laughs> you know, if you don't take your time, your body might
1: take your time for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> the hardest thing for all of us to come back from, uh, Allison and I have kind of aligned a little bit because I also had to cut back for many reasons. And we've had lots of conversations around this. But like Allison, you know, it's it's always a part of my life, um, whether it be distance project, this podcast, talking to friends about running, cheering. Like when you're injured, there's always kind of manifest in different ways. What's the longest uh, injury you've had, Rolanda? I
2: mean, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah. You know what? Ironically, I'm not
0: very injury prone. So thank oh, God amazing. I haven't had anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been really, really lucky. And I think it was two years ago now, all the years start to kind of blend together. But um, I was dealing with the hamstring issue that was actually pretty bad because I was losing motor control of my right leg when I would run, once I got to maybe like three or four miles, something weird was going on. So I saw a PT about it. Um, My club is sponsored by New York Custom PT in New York City. Thankfully, they kind of nursed me back to health, but I had to take probably four weeks completely off of no running and working on getting my muscle strength back to where it was kind of like even with each other. And I was able to like resume back to normal running And that was the hardest four weeks of my life. I think a lot of it had to deal with the fact that I wasn't burning calories anymore. So eating how I normally ate, I was like gaining weight in places I haven't gained weight before. And um, the one positive was that I had a lot more energy (laughs) and a lot more free time. But at the same time, I just missed the, the ability to go outside and get fresh air, go for runs, meeting up with friends. So I can totally relate to what you were saying before. Um, and when I came back, it was just like a more enjoyable experience because I had it taken away. So I understood what it was to have running in your life.
2: Yeah, the gratitude is real. And I have to tell you, uh, the the irony of my having this sort of long term running injury is not lost on me because I just finished. I shouldn't say just it was a little bit ago. But um, our uh, I co-authored a book on running injuries <laughs> with Jonathan Kane and Emmy Aguilar, It's just so funny because a lot of the book is centered on prevention. Like there's things, of course, you can do once you're injured, but it's also a section of the book that's all about kind of form and uh, smart training and things like that. And so I just think like all the prevention in the world sometimes is just, you know, bodies will do what bodies will do. And (laughs) so, uh, but that's not to say we shouldn't try. Obviously, it's working for you. So I love the
0: fact that you brought up the book because that's what's that's one of the topics we wanted to talk about. But Colleen,
1: I'll let you kick it off. No, I same. I have the book. Uh, I think it's a very comprehensive guide. And I'm just wondering, like, how did you, the three of you, Jonathan Kane, Emmy, and yourself, come together with this idea? And how long did it take? Did you each have chapters? Like, how did how did it look? The process? Yeah, the the origin story.
2: So uh, this is Jonathan Kane's fault. Fully blame him for uh, for this project. No, Uh, thank him. Thank him. He actually had previously published another book about. I think it was triathlon training or triathlon anatomy, something like that with the publisher, human kinetics. And they really liked working with him. And so they approached him about writing a book on something about running injuries. And he kind of said, well, my job is usually, you know, working with the athlete to make sure they they don't get injured. Uh, but I don't, I don't have the expertise to actually talk about the running injuries themselves and how to how to come back from that. So he went and at the time, Emmy was working for finish line physical therapy, down in chelsea and so he kind of went to finish line and said you know who who are your best writers here and so uh so he got hooked up with her and she was interested in the project so she came on um and then they they were going to split the book so she was of course going to do most of the writing around the physical therapy component and he would do most of the writing around sort of smart training and um he got a nutritionist to weigh in on a nutrition chapter and things like that but um but they both knew that they they don't write uh in a similar fashion and they didn't want to sort of project manage the whole book and kind of bring it together as a a single entity and so that's how he wound up coming to me and saying hey i know i know you work on books i know you do editing and writing and would you be interested in working on this with us because also you have the balance between being a runner yourself so you might read something like this you'd be a good sort of audience tester but then also the knowledge to actually like fix the problems that you see So um, so that's how I that's how I got brought on the project. Um, And those were those were our roles. And it worked quite well for that. I mean, we definitely brought the correct expertise to the team. And that's what that's what makes the book work. We had a great editorial team at Human Kinetics that also gave us some um, input on structuring the book because we knew that it was unlikely that somebody's going to read a rehab book straight through. Like if your knee hurts, you're going to go be like, where's, where's the knee stuff? Like, what do I do? So, um, so we tried to make it as user friendly as possible in terms of being able to find the exercises that you need to do or looking at kind of different body parts um, or specific injuries. So that's, that's pretty much how it's organized. Um, And I do a lot of the work on the organizational part of the book. It's really a
1: comprehensive guide. Where can folks get a copy if they're interested in?
2: Oh gosh. Um, kind of anywhere books are sold, probably not your local bookstore. It's a little more specialized than that. But um, you can definitely find it on Amazon. You can find it at Barnes and Noble. You can find it directly on the Human Kinetics website. So, Great. Run Healthy, A Runner's Guide to Injury. Thank you, Colleen.
0: A nice little plug. (laughs) <laughs> so, how was the book received after the project was finished?
2: Yeah, it's been um, it's been well received. We did a couple events, and people definitely Great. expressed interest. Um, it's so funny; we get a bunch of runners in the room, and you kind of open it up for questions. Everybody has questions. We've all had niggles or weaknesses, or you know, what do I do? So those were those were really heartening, and it's just you know, it kind of shows you that in some ways we're all the same. Yeah. So from the people that have read it, it sounds like people have gotten sort of the practical element that we were really hoping for out of it, which has been really rewarding to hear. In terms of the the wider readership, like I actually wish we got more reviews on these different platforms, because it would help us know sort of if we ever have to do a second edition, which would be a lot of work. The first book was a lot of work, but hopefully revising it wouldn't be crazy. It would just be good to know, you know, what do people think is missing? Or what did they love? And we definitely shouldn't change. So so anyway, uh, that, there's a plug. If you read the book, uh, we love to have a review. We'd appreciate that a lot.
0: Yeah, I need to pick up my own copy. Definitely. I so will we'll work on that next. And I will leave a review when I'm done. Oh,
2: thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated.
0: Have you worked on any other books?
2: Yes. Um, so actually, the very first book that I co-authored was with uh, running coach Greg McMillan. Um, and he he had written a few books prior and wanted some help kind of putting together a lot of information. That he had already drafted in blog format and kind of all over his website into kind of a, a comprehensive lessons on running book. And so he hired again, I guess I end up in these projects where I need to just bring a lot of stuff together. So he hired me to help put that together in kind of a, an orderly fashion um, and make it all cohere. And so I did some writing, but a lot of sort of compiling and reorganizing um, for that particular book. And then in a totally different direction. So that sounds like I only work on running things, but that is entirely untrue. (laughs) I would say if I were to generalize what I do outside of kind of the running sphere. So there's like, that's my hobby, but also I could use my profession in it. I've written for for Runner's World and some other publications. Outside of that, I kind of work on more, more complex or technical topics that kind of everyday readers would want to know about. That's where this next book comes in. It's called inclusolytics. So it's sort of like inclusion plus analytics. It's it's a it's a word that the my co-authors created themselves. It's authored with Victoria Mattingly and Certrice Grice. And it is a book for diversity, ec- uh, equity and inclusion practitioners who are working in companies. So they went and interviewed a ton of these people and they run an actual firm that does this work with companies. And they wanted to write a book particularly about the inclusion piece of it and to help practitioners use data to actually back up and plan what they wanted to do inside the different organizations. And so it's a little it's a how to guide to some extent. Um, But it's got a pretty niche audience, like most people yeah. are just going to sort of pick this book up and read it. Um, But the people that do pick it up and read it aren't academics, they're regular working people. And so that's why these two individuals have a lot of academic background. And they were like, we need to make this lay friendly, like we and we need we don't have the time to actually like, do all of the writing work. So would you come in and help us put this book together? So that was my role. So anyway, that's just that's a taste of all the books that I've worked on, minus the um romances that I've written.
0: <laughs> You're quiet and behind the scenes, but you do yes. so much impactful work. Like it's insane. Like Colleen tells me stuff you do all the time. And I'm like, really? Like, I can't believe that. <laughs> So she, She's always given me all your accolades and accomplishments as you Aww. tick them all. Thank <laughs> so you. for all of that. It's
1: true. Allison, like, yeah, because you're a professional writer. You're also a freelance writer. Well, how did you, did you always want to be a writer? <laughs> yes. Is, the answer to that
2: is yes. Although I, of course, as any sort of good child and then English major, thought I thought I was going to be, you know, a fiction writer. We all read these, wonder, I love reading fiction. I read, I read all the time. That's like, my escape. I wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure. I don't feel guilty about it at all. Um, All kinds of fiction. And so, of course, as a kid, I was writing fiction and I thought, oh, I'm definitely going to be an author. That's what I'm going to be. And then, you know, as you get older, you realize that that's not the easiest thing to make lucrative. And so I started kind of branching out and thinking about what else I could do with writing. I spent about seven years in the publishing world but i wound up in academic publishing i won't even get into the backstory there but i wound up in academic publishing because i double majored in cognitive science and english and so i got hired to work on neuroscience journals initially um and i just realized like there were so many other things you could do with words and people that needed help with making things clearer and more readable and i i also around that time realized that i i'm a i'm a good writer i like writing but I'm also possibly a better editor. Like I think I'm better at taking other people's ideas and making them more what they are trying to be. So that was sort of how I decided when I was going to freelance, I started really like leaning into the editing side of things. And it's become a hybrid in many instances. Like some people might call me an editor, but I'm actually rewriting what they wrote or, you know, I might be writing something and someone, you know, it, it's, it kind of meshes sometimes in some projects, But uh, but I like that. I think it's good to be, a writer who gets edited because you need to receive feedback to sort of be trained in how you want to give feedback, and then it's good to be an editor who's working on other people's writing because it just uses your brain differently to be a little bit more critical. So,
1: in terms of editing, she took my resume a couple of years ago and made it look like I, I looked at. It, I'm like, wow, who is this person? <laughs> I would hire this. Like, I, I, yeah,
2: <laughs> like a magician with words. It was fun. I like doing that. It's hard to brag about yourself, so I've done um, statements for folks who are applying to sort of business school or um, medical school or whatever. Those statements they have to write, and it's it's people really have a hard time talking themselves up. But once they do to me, then I can like make it sound nice. <laughs> I
0: feel like resume writing has changed so much. Like if you're out the game for a couple of years, you go back in. It's like so different. I've seen people's resumes. I'm like, I need
2: to brush mine up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad I actually, for most things, don't need to provide a resume anymore. That's just not Mm -hmm. how freelancing works. Um, You're like, just
0: Google me at this point. Yeah, (laughs) my clips are (laughs)
2: online. I have a website. Like, just find me. Yeah, because it's, yeah, you have to tweak it for each job. And like, there's keywords and you're dealing with robots. It's not easy. None of it's easy. Yeah, one question me and Colleen were
0: talking about earlier or the other day was like, when you write these articles and create this content, are you finding these stories that you're pitching to these, you know, magazines or editorials, or are other people kind of giving you content to kind of build around? Like, where do you get (laughs) your like muse to write these pieces that end up coming out so great?
2: That's a great question. In some instances, I find the topics and pitch them um i discovered pretty early when i was writing for runner's world that the the niche that i can fill and the thing that i'm interested in filling is primarily bringing science into the conversation um in a way that's relevant to whoever's reading it so you know stuff about shoes i've written i wrote about the initial vapor flies when they first came out mm. um Because I really was curious. I was like, how do these things work? Like, how do people think that they're actually getting this benefit? And so those are the sorts of questions that I'm interested in. So that's the kind of thing I'll often pitch. But because I've done it enough now, there's some excellent editors at Run and Road, for example, and you build these relationships. And so sometimes they'll have an idea that they're like, oh, this would be good for someone to write about. And maybe they don't have a staff writer that can or has the bandwidth to do it. So then they'll kind of throw it over to me and say, are you interested? Do you have time? And then I will say yes or no, and then work on it. So it's, it's, it's a mix of both for sure. I find pitching I mean anybody I feel like most journalists would agree with this, but pitching is so tiring. It's so hard to come up with the ideas and then kind of put them into a little sales pitch. It's literally called pitching and then wait for someone to get back to you and it's just like it's a lot. So um, so I don't I actually don't do as much journalism anymore as I, as I used to. Um, it's just harder to fit in and um, frankly, it doesn't pay as well as working for companies and individuals.
0: Yeah. So, what is your schedule like now as a writer? Like, what does your your week, your day look like?
2: Yeah. So, I have one health um, kind of technology client that I'm on retainer for, and so that looks a little bit like working part time for a company. I'm on their Slack. I um, I attend a couple meetings a week for them, and so for them, I do this this hybrid actually that I was talking about before about editing and writing. They have science writers that will write pieces. But then I go in and make them lay friendly um, and make sure that they actually make sense and ask questions to clarify things that I don't think will be clear to the reader, that kind of thing. So that's the I do some other things for them, but that's sort of the bulk of the work that I do for that company. So that's kind of ongoing. um, Because of the routine or structure of that relationship. And then um, so I do that most days of the week. And then I have other projects that I will fill in. So for example, let me think, I'm trying to come up with this week, what I do this week, I finished so I had a long term project, which was a long term for me would be like a few months, where I was rewriting an internal facing strategic plan for a cancer center to be an external facing document that they could share with whoever would be interested in that sort of funders or other other institutes or research centers. So I just finished that. So that took up, you know, Sometimes, so that's kind of a solo solo writing thing. Like they gave me all of the information, and then I kind of work with it. And I can email them back some questions, but there wasn't a lot of interviewing. But I also wrote a patient story, which I love. I love telling success stories and things. I've done like one or two for Runner's World, also with actual runners who overcame something. But um, but these these cancer success stories are like so heartwarming. You know, you'll you get to you get on the phone with a person that has overcome, you know, pancreatic cancer or whatever it is. And they tell you, you know, the story, the testimonial for the actual center that then they publish on their website. And so my goal is to take their story and actually write it down and tell it, you know, in a way that's not as rambling as if they tried to write it down. (laughs) Because these people aren't usually writers. They're all different types of jobs and everything. And so but it's, it's just so lovely. They are so thankful. And they're they're able to tell kind of all the things that were so hard and what got them through. It's it's really fun. So I really enjoy those. Um, So I did one of those this week. What else did I do this week? Oh, I'm gearing up. Oh, and that's the other thing. So that's work I'm working on. But the life of a freelancer also always involves looking for work in the future because the current projects are going to end. And so um, I had some phone calls with a woman at an academic university who they're applying for a multi-million dollar grant. And so they need someone to come in. Funny, it's kind of like the book projects. They have all of these authors on the proposal, and they need it to read like one coherent, singular document without inconsistencies. You know, without lots of errors and stuff like that. And so, I so I've been talking to her. That's going to start next week. But um, so I'm getting all all the ducks in the row to to get that started. So,
1: so hopefully that gives you a little a little taste of what's going on. <laughs> I think that's such a get yeah. to take science and like research based pieces and make them in a way that. People from all different areas can can read them and make them very user friendly. That's that's truly a gift, Allison. Not everyone can do that. I mean, I know that, you know, just from my sister and her um, her husband is a scientist and some of the stuff that he reads, like he'll get published and I'll read it for like one second. I'm like, (laughs) what?
2: correct. That's exactly right.
1: (laughs) So changing that into something that is, you know, can understand uh, someone without a science background is is amazing
2: it's so necessary. I mean that's I love reading that stuff. I I mean this is it's the book's a little bit old now, but um uh the journalist Alex Hutchinson wrote this book called Endure that I just I love it. I, it's so compelling and he distills the science so well in such a readable way. It was um it's framed around the Nike's Breaking2 project. Um and I just he like I really admire him and I also admire uh the writer Scott Douglas who worked on a book called Running is My Therapy. Um And it's funny, I met him on Twitter, because he wrote something, something, this is back when it was actually Twitter. And he wrote something along the lines of that he was working on a book, marrying sort of running in depression. And I don't know what he wrote about it. But I was just like, Oh, my gosh, this is totally something I would want to work on. So I just randomly tweeted at him and said, like, if you need any help in any capacity, like I'm a words person, (laughs) I ended up getting to help him with his uh, with some of his research for that book. And so these are people I admire, and I you know, would love to emulate. hopefully, hopefully I'm on my way. They've been doing it longer than I have, but
0: that's so awesome. creating the opportunity for yourself and just going for it.
1: Yeah, sometimes it works. a lot of times it doesn't, but why not, right? So Allison, we've heard about your history as a writer. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit as your of your history as a runner um you know were you always a runner number one and like just kind of take us through some of your earlier years up till your otq in 2021 2020
2: yes 2020,
1: um, wow. well actually the otq
2: is technically in 2019 the actual trials were in 2020 so but yes no uh, i'll go all the way back and try to make this not too too long i love telling stories so i could probably talk for half an hour on this but I'll, i won't i was not always a runner i grew up thinking people that did running for fun were completely insane i would see sort of the cross-country people leave and i'm like how far are you going like oh my god uh so I did uh, a number of other sports pretty mediocrely I played basketball I played volleyball I was I'm not super tall anymore like you wouldn't think of me as towering but I'm 5'9 I was 5'9 since I was in like eighth grade so I played sort of the tall person sports because it was early and I was taller than everyone at the time I I swam in the summer on like a fun little summer swim team um yeah and I was okay at everything but I was never going to excel a lot and Politics, uh, basketball got a little politicky. And so I decided I was just going to swim my senior year of high school, which eventually led me to looking into swimming in college. I went to the University of Rochester, their D3. And so I kind of spent my freshman year like working my way up to talking to the, the swimming coach. And at the time, it was a woman and she said, you know, yeah, sure. Like, If you can do the work, if you come to everything, then you can be on the team. And I said, great. So I was the the proud, sort of tied for slowest person on the team. But I love being on a team. I love teams. I love being a group working towards something. In this case, even if I wasn't a huge contributor, I liked hard work. I would credit the two years I wound up swimming in college with my like mindset ability to train for a marathon because it was just a grind all the time. I mean, you're getting up so early and going to the pool and then going to class, and going back to the pool and weightlifting. I mean, any college athlete knows the grind of college sports. So. But a quick, it was, quick
0: question. Yeah. What, uh, and I do not know swimming that well, so sure. excuse me now, but did you focus on a particular type of stroke?
2: Oh yeah, no, that's a great question. So. <laughs> okay again, because I was a I'm like, what first, do they call them? No, no. Yeah, you got it exactly right. The terminology <laughs> was correct. Uh, I just did freestyle. I mostly did okay. sort of middle and long distance because I really just don't have a fetch sh- fast twitch muscle in my body. Um, sad, sad to say. And so, um, and I really was just not very good at off strokes. I I'm, for a swimmer, I'm not very good. This this makes it sound like I'm this sort of excellent swimmer. If you compare me to other swimmers, again, not not great. But if you compare me to sort of the average triathlete or non-swimmer, I look amazing. So, um, but yeah, but this leads me to, I ended up getting um told to leave the team the summer before my senior year. I, I know I'd already planned everything around swimming. And then the coach called me, it was a new coach and uh, he called me and said that they, uh, they didn't have room for me in the pool or something to that effect. And like I could be the water girl. <laughs> it was it was a little Wait, insulting. that's devastating. Yeah, it was um it was a rough it was a rough time. I was pretty I was pretty sad. But uh but then I just filled my senior year with lots of like working. I worked at the coffee shop all four years, so I like did a lot more of that. Yeah, so anyway, so that kind of ended up led who knows if he hadn't done that, who knows if I would have found running because mm-hmm. I I was like, well, I have nothing else to do. So I would go to like the track and do like two laps, you know, my like, gosh, I'm amazing, or three laps, like, oh. So uh just because other people around me were kind of doing that for exercise, and I thought, you know, why not? Um, and then I moved to New York and I had like 0.0 dollars. 0. 0, and so I didn't know how to join a pool that wouldn't cost a million dollars. And so I I just tried to start running. Um, and then when I got my job, my first job in publishing at Wiley, there were some people in the company who ran at lunchtime. And I just thought that was like such a fabulous way to break up your day. You get to like hang out with these people. You get to be outside. Uh, you get to exercise. You don't have to like cram it in before work. So I just that was sort of what brought me into running was like that the community aspect, the being outside aspect, and the exercise aspect, like all rolled into one. This was the perfect sort of gateway for me. Um, and then they were training for the Philadelphia half in two thousand and nine. And since I was pretty much doing whatever they were doing, I thought, "Oh yeah, like I'll try to do that. Like, what? Why not? You know, like let's let's go for it." So I signed up, and that was my first race.
0: <laughs> Wait, the half marathon?
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's right. the thing. I didn't know anything, so I just met these people, and that's what they were doing. So that's what I decided I would try to do. Maybe How was the experience? The first half it was you know it's funny i like barely remember the thing i remember the most is it was freezing it was so cold yeah. and when we finished they gave you these little cups of chicken broth and it was like the best thing i had ever tasted <laughs> They still um, do that. it's so smart. It's so smart. Like it's like elixir from the gods. I just remember thinking it was the best thing ever. I think I ran like, I don't know, probably like two hours. like it wasn't it wasn't even about that. I was like, I can't believe I finished, you know, thirteen point one miles. Oh those were the days. So of course, after that, these same people were training for a marathon in the spring. And I thought, well, if they're if they can train for a marathon, I'm gonna train for a marathon. I just followed the online, like Hal Higton long run schedule with no attention to anything else. Um, And I signed up for the Pittsburgh Marathon because that's where that's where I grew up. And I really wanted my family to be able to cheer for me. So I thought, oh, I'll just do it there. And then they can be on the course and cheer for me. That was my whole reasoning. Um, I have a picture of me at this race. I wore I wore like a champion like Target sports bra and a white feeder that it was like a Haynes, like white, like <laughs> and some sort of like champion shorts. The whole the whole getup is amazing. Um but yeah, I so need like, to get it. that photo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll dig it up for you. On her sneakers. Little, yeah. Little, little baby Allison. We'll, um, we'll do
0: it then and now. Yeah.
2: My son. Perfect. I love it. I love it. That'll be great. <laughs> yeah. And like my whole goal in that race was to not walk. I had like a general sense of what I might run after I had like done all this running. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe I can run like I don't know. I don't, I figured I could probably run like 8 to 8.30s, eight but I wasn't really thinking that hard about it. I was like, just don't walk. Your whole goal is just don't walk. You can make it to the end. You say you ran a whole marathon. That'll be it. That'll be like your crowning achievement. You ran a marathon, your lifetime goal. And then I ran it and I ran, you know, I'm so bad with numbers. I think I ran 3.22 or something. And at the time, like I just, I had no basis for anything. I just did not, I I can't tell you how little I knew about this sport. I didn't, I didn't drink or eat anything during this marathon. Like I just, the whole thing was like, and of course I felt like death by the end. It was like the worst thing ever, but I was so proud of myself. And then somebody somewhere was like, oh, like you qualified for Boston. You should run the Boston marathon. And since I had signed up for the Pittsburgh marathon, like a month prior, maybe, or two months, I don't know, not that far prior. I thought that's just what you do. And so I like looked into signing up for the Boston marathon and january or february i don't know whatever and i was like oh i guess guess you can't get in anyway so it's just like total ignorance and fast forward i told you i like love telling stories i could talk <laughs> to this. um fast forward i wound up meeting through a fellow runner i met the person that ended up being my first coach who was um josh mayo the coach of gotham city runners which is no more sadly but that was my first oh team. wow um yeah and so he And he totally hooked me with the right thing. He like asked me what my half marathon time is, which I don't even remember now. And I told him and he said, oh, I can help you take seven minutes off that. And I was like, seven minutes? Do you know how long seven minutes is? <laughs> and so I thought, oh, you know, I'll give it a try. If I hate it, I'll quit. Uh, but I loved it. I love the team aspect. I loved running for like points races in the NYR oh, yeah. races like that. Just it was total addiction. I was like, this is so fun. I love contributing. Um, I was getting faster, you know, as you do when you start these things when you've never done them before. And uh, yeah, so it was just like, it was totally, totally a joy. Um, eventually, the team kind of started disintegrating and he he moved out to Colorado. And so I, I looked for a new coach. Um, I wound up with Jason LeCritz, who uh, now lives in Montclair and runs uh, an organization called Pro Functional Running.
0: He used but. to work at Finish Line with Emmy, right? He
2: did. Yeah, I know. Yay. Small world. Yeah. He's a physical therapist, also. So um he has sort of a two-person practice with a guy named Dave out in Montclair now.
1: Allison, oh, okay. but to to be Q in your first marathon <laughs> is is a pretty remarkable feat. Um, you know, I know you're saying you don't know, but the fact that you be would people really train for right. many years often to do that. So what do you do you think that's just talent or did your the swimming background help with your running goals? or how do you, how do you, what do you, yeah, ch- those the- are,
2: no, those are really good, good questions. Uh, both, but definitely both. Um, uh, the swimming background really, I'm sure contributed to the whole cardiovascular capacity. Um, and taught me really like how to just put my head down and grind because that's all I did ever. I was always chasing everyone in the pool. It was like, there was no rest on the walls. Like I was just going, going, going to try to like stay there with everyone. And so kind of you s- carrying that same mentality over to running, like that's what the marathon is. You just like put your head down and like keep going. Um, but also like nobody, no, I mean, this makes me sound like such a jerk, but nobody BQs in the first marathon without some like random talent. Like it's just, there's mm-hmm. something in there, you know, good genetics, whatever. I mean, absolutely. who knows no. where those genetics came from because nobody in my family is very athletic, but, uh, But yeah, there's definitely an element of luck. Like I know people train for ages to try to, to try to get that accomplished, Mm -hmm. which, you know, in that way I can relate because that ended up being what the, what the trials was for me. Um, It was sort of my like pie in the sky. Maybe I can, maybe I can't do this, but I'm going to try my hardest to, to see if I can. And that's what I appreciated about it being at the time, 245 as the time goal, because now... 2.37 is way outside of anything I would feel motivated to train for. Um,
0: Yeah. So talk about that a little bit because I know it was insane when the time was 2.45 because everyone was so focused on that goal. There were so many people who qualified, hit that standard, especially with those shoes you were talking about, the vapor flies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as soon as the 237 time qualifier came out, everyone was like, 237 or bust. Like, what? where was your mindset at that time when they thank decided you, to change Thank you for time?
2: asking. And I, I have the most <laughs> unpopular response to that. No, I mean, I thought, I figured, I figured they were going to lower it substantially. I thought maybe if they lowered it to two forty, like two, maybe it would be worth trying again but i i'm not this sounds i don't i don't this is not putting myself down like i am not a 237 runner like there there's just things that you you can't do like you're just not going to physically be able to do and i have never even run a half that suggests that i would have that in my wheelhouse like it's just not so i was like no like that's that's an easy answer like no i'm not even going to try why would i try um how would you say i i feel like people that haven't even run sort of a 240 241 that say they're trying i'm like what do you mean you're trying like you these things require progression unless you know, you're know you brand new to running and you haven't run a lot of marathons. And so you really don't know. And you run like a 244 and you're like, that was my first marathon. You know, Then like, okay, sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you do have a shot, but it just did not seem realistic to me at all to think like I was going to drop that amount of time in a few years. Like, I don't know. So that's, that's what I thought for
1: myself. <laughs> I think that's just being, I mean, I think you're realistic. You knew with the 615, uh, 245, that that was in your wheelhouse and you were going to go for it. And you just shared like if it was 242, you know, it's difficult, but you're still would be willing to try. Um, I think that's just like a realistic approach. Do you think the hype around the the new OTQ is the same as last time, especially in New York City running? Well, TV? let me just say something really quickly too. I also
2: know how much effort I put in to run the 244.11 that I ran. And if I had just sort of waltzed my way to that with no like, you know, there's just ways of doing it that you would know how much, how hard you tried. And I put everything that I could possibly put into that. And I nice. made it, which is great. There's like totally, like I'll pat myself on the back for that. And there was some luck. There's always some luck. Mm-hmm. Um, But that's how I knew that it wasn't realistic mm-hmm. to to run. So, so the hype, it's hard to answer that because I think you guys can relate. Like we're in such a bubble. Like we sort of know all the people that would be Mm-hmm. trying for this new standard and so it's in that respect it feels like the hype is the same mm. but it can't be i don't know how it could be like i think some people sort of yeah. have hyped it up and everyone's getting asked everyone that qualified before is getting asked oh are you trying are you trying and like i think some people just don't want to say no i think the impression might be that the hype is the same but i i don't think that that's true it's not going to be the same number we already can tell it's not going to be the same number of people that make it nor is it supposed to be that's why they did that
0: yeah, I think you know, averaging sub six for twenty six point two miles is a whole different ball game. Correct. Than trying to qu- hit a two forty five flat. So, um, you know, I think it's admirable for people who do try it. And you know, when when a standard is set, it kind of pushes people probably further than they would have gone yes. if it wasn't as fast. So even if they're not hitting a two thirty seven, the fact that they're getting sub two forty and they probably never thought they were able to do it. I think it's pretty awesome to see them, you know, making ways towards it. But yeah, it was it's pretty wild. It's a wild time for sure with the marathon.
2: <laughs> I hope people can keep that in perspective. It's so hard because you have this goal, this goal time in mind. If you don't hit it, you've failed, right? But you probably also, like you're saying, got faster than you ever would have otherwise. Yeah. So there's something to celebrate there. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So, okay, everyone listening, Colleen and Allison are on the same team. I don't know how we went 42 minutes without mentioning that. So Allison, you're on Distance Project. Can we walk through like how you ended up finding Distance Project and being on the team and what your role is currently?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so when my previous team, Gotham City Runners, kind of dissolved, I think I spent a year or so not being on a team. And like I've said already, probably four times, I, I love being on a team. I love working with other people and it's just much more motivating for me. And so I knew I wanted to be on another team and I wasn't sure which one. And there were a lot of like big team options, but I wasn't sure if that was really the right fit for me. Yeah. And so I, I was just sort of waiting around. And then uh eventually, yeah, it just the right thing, like maybe it'll come along. Um and eventually some women approached me and said, you know, we're thinking about creating an all women's team. Um, kind of a smaller thing, we kind of want to like just form it and see how it goes. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds interesting. Like I would like to be on an all women's team. It seems like maybe there'll be less drama, you know, and it, they, there wasn't gonna be a central coach. Everyone, the part of the founding principle of it was that everyone kind of has their own training going on, but we still wanted to be a team and a cohesive unit and work together in terms of racing specifically. And so that really appealed to me. I was like, oh, perfect, because now I don't have to try to come up to a practice or whatever. Like I can still stick with my coach, Jason. But we'll have this unifying thing. And we'll be cheering each other on. So that was sort of the the founding of Distance Project. And Colleen, Colleen was there and just like met some amazing people. And we've 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 cycled through um, a number of people. And Colleen and I somehow found ourselves in the like, for lack of a better term, leadership capacity of this group. Because um, it's kind of like a. If nobody will, then who will? And we just sort of picked it up and said, all right, like, we'll we'll do what needs to be done to keep it going. Um, And it's it's worked out. It's worked out great. We have a partnership with New Balance, which is just amazing. They've been so generous. They uh, they make our uniforms. They give us shoes. Um, It's just been it's been wonderful. I can't say enough good things about the representatives there and how easy they've been to to work with. and so, so that's been great. And the girls on the team are very unified now and just, you know, there's, we're trying to regenerate excitement around racing. The the pandemic really put a damper on that. It was just so hard with no races to find a reason to have a team, basically, because we were founded on racing. And so, so now that that's come back and now that we have enough people to hopefully score at these local races, assuming we can get in, I don't know what your experiences have <laughs> been getting into these races, but. Oh my um, God,
0: they sell out. So fast.
2: Oh my gosh. It's insane. And like months in advance. It's it's so wild. Yeah. So
0: I assuming... think I think it helps be part of a team though, because especially for the team points races, they want more participation. So there might be a way around that, but I don't work for New York Road Winners. So no. I have no idea. No, I have we'll no idea. Get insight. someone on the podcast. That's <laughs> amazing. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> I want to know everything.
2: I have so many questions. <laughs> Let me know. I'll write some questions for them. Um yeah. So that's, so I think we're getting some more excitement around that again. And that's been fun. Um, yeah. So I think, did I answer all the questions
1: that you had about that? Yeah. I mean, just to add on, like it, it definitely has been through a few versions. Um, and I think it's made, uh, this is my own personal opinion that Alice and I got closer because, you know, we're like, we have this team, we have the, the backbone here. Uh, we both like running and Pandemic kind of like took a break and then kind of put our heads together and I, I think created very beautiful community of, of women runners and our focus is on women's health. Allison, again, being very humbled, um, has done so much to keep that focus. Uh, for example, every week, sorry, every month she has like a wellness check where we talk about different topics related to women's health. Race anxiety, um, PMs, um, depression—just a numerous different things—and she leads those, those, those meetings for members of our team. We talk about and unpack things together, and we always walk away with some new learning. Sometimes there's articles, like just a variety of different ways to use that space, which has been really, really beautiful. And New Balance has also supported our commitment to women's health and different things. Um, and yeah, the community that we're you know the the girls that that are on our team are amazing women, doctors, you know, some of them very from my from my perspective young some master runners, just a variety of different women. It's been it's been like a really interesting beautiful journey to get here.
0: Yeah, and for a superficial note, you guys just got some new amazing uniforms which I've seen debuted recently. So congrats on that.
1: Nice we have to give a shout out to Tessa for that. Tessa's our, our rep at New Balance who did an amazing job of, again, Allison, uh, working with Tessa, like th- thinking about like maybe a darker uniform, keeping the same like print that we had from our pre- original uniform. And it, it's just amazing. And, you know, Jen and Lauren and everyone that we work with are just like the the best women. And we're really fortunate to to work with them.
0: Yeah, and just to tie in, I know Allison, you talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but about um, the importance of community. And now that you're not able to run, like you're still playing a major role in distance Project, helping lead that team, um, and that is your sense of community outside of what you do day to day with like your freelancing and all the editorial work that you're doing. So let's talk a little bit about your relationship with running now, and just kind of bring this to a close. But where where is your relationship with running? what goals do you have going forward once you're able to get back past 15 miles a week into Uh your normal (laughs) regimen?
2: Yeah, I've thought a lot about that. And I, I just, I'm not done with the marathon. I like the marathon. I think it's my, I think it's the distance I'm, well, I know it's the distance that I'm the best at, but also it's the one I like the most because it's the most interesting to me. There's so many things that can happen. Um, you just get this one day and which is both terrifying and inspiring um so yeah so I think I I really would like to run another marathon I was intending to run the inaugural Jersey City Marathon last spring um I doubt that I'll run one this spring but maybe in the fall I don't know um I'm just sort of I'm trying to keep my options pretty open because I don't know how much training I'll be able to get to how soon but that's sort of the goal on the horizon uh, and in the meantime, I would love to get back to contributing to team points, speaking of teams. And so I, I just feel like a lot of the people that are on the team now, I mean, I have barely gotten to run with them at races. So it would be great to to get back to that and just be there for, for the excitement of it all.
0: Well, I wish you a nice trajectory back to your old self running fast again and enjoying the process.
1: Thank you. Yeah, me too. You will all come together as, as you know, we tell everyone that Allison, but <laughs> you know, patience and it's going to come together and I'm excited to cheer you on for, for this, your comeback. And I, I can see a fall marathon in your future. I really can.
2: Yeah. Not totally committed, but you know, it's, it's in, it's on the radar. So, and I'll see you both at races, if not at other events,
1: of course. Well, it's great to talk to you, Allison, and just to get to know you a little bit more about like your your running journey, which I didn't even know a lot of what you just talked about. So I'm like, oh, I didn't know she beat would her first race or that she just started running with some random people at work. <laughs> um, and also more about your your professional career, too, as a freelance writer. Um, it's yeah. been
2: it was really fun to talk about it all. Um, thanks for having me on. I love what you're doing and I love listening to the different people you have on. So keep up the variety. I'm a big, am <laughs> a big variety person.
0: So how can people get in touch with you or, or how are they able to follow you on social yeah. media or?
2: So I'm still on what I insist on calling Twitter. Uh, <laughs> my handle is gold thought, but, um, but if you're not on there and I totally respect that, I'm also on Instagram. My handle is Allison The Steen. And if you are at all interested in what I do professionally, either to get more information, hire me, whatever, uh, my business is called A Gold Standard. And so you can find that. You can just Google that. and It'll come right up. It's agoldstandard.com. And yeah.
1: That's where you can find me. Great. Well, thanks again, Allison, for taking the time. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, Rolanda. You too. And I'll see you uh, soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much.